2: The <laughs> game's six victories, a day where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer proved that his qualities stretch further as caretaker Manchester United manager than simply getting it. A 44th minute Marcus Rashford strike gives United a 1-0 away win against Tottenham Hotspur in a game where David De Gea once again shows he is the best in the world on his day with 11 second half saves, three of them quite simply breathtaking. We're discussing that game, Solskjaer's six successive and successful victories and much more as always, as well as having our regular youth loan and women's roundup on the Manchester United weekly podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. Jack, one fan I heard after the game at Wembley said that this is the day Ole Gunnar and Solskjaer got the United job full time. I don't think that's quite true, but he has well and truly convinced a large set of the supporters and they'll have gone some way to doing the same for his superiors as well. So a, a huge day for Solskjaer, a six consecutive wins is, is amazing. The confidence in this team is amazing. The change in the in the style of play and the, the effectiveness of some of the players is amazing. And this was kind of this was a lot of things, but it was also a vindication of the board's decision to sack Mourinho at the time that they did and appoint Solskjaer on a temporary basis.
0: Who would have thought on a on one of our podcasts in the start of December that come the 14th of January, we'd be sitting here recording, feeling this positive coming off the back of six wins, including one away at Tottenham. I mean, the, the turnaround under Solskjaer has been massive and he deserves so much credit for what he's done so far. I agree with you in that I don't think... We should even be thinking about him getting the job long term yet because first of all it's only been six games and second we this has his, been his first big test and we need to, to to wait until the end of the season. Nothing should even be decided yet but you couldn't have asked for a better start. Every single challenge that's been put in front of him he has passed with flying colours and this, this game really really impressed me from Solskjaer. It was obviously a good performance by the team and Pretty much no one had a particularly bad day. Everyone contributed to the win. But I think Solskjaer deserves so much credit for the way that the tactical changes that we made coming into the Spurs game. I think playing that front three of of Lingard, Rashford and Martial was great. But the thing that impressed me the most was the way he matched up with Spurs in midfield, with Lingard at the top of our diamond and then splitting Rashford and Martial wide. He clearly identified that that was a weakness for Spurs and there's a lot of talk about going back to uh, when Spurs played Liverpool and how Salah and Mane uh, kind of exploited the, Spurs, uh, the space that Spurs fullbacks leave in behind. Yeah. The second half, I think it was it was a challenge. I think Solskjaer could have reacted a little bit better to Spurs changing formation because Spurs went to a four two three one that then meant their fullbacks didn't have to push up quite as far, and it, we weren't able to exploit the space as much going forward ourselves. Yeah. And we ended up just being kind of under the cosh for most of the second half. But at the end of the day. It's a win against a big t- a big team away from home. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the last. It was probably City, actually, wasn't it? The last time we did that, and we looked very good in doing it, especially in the first half. Yeah. Um, everyone under Solskjaer has improved so much, and he's like I said, it's too early to say whether he should be getting the job full time. But he cannot have asked for a more perfect start. If
2: we just focus on that first half to begin with. Uh as you say tactically excellent and this was kind of, kind of this was the challenge for Solskjaer. everyone said it in the build up It became a bit of a cliche that this was his most difficult test yet and he had to show some tactical nows as well as just the ability to bring the feel good factor back to united and it and he did that the lingard playing centrally caused two problems for spurs one of which was uh lingard marked harry winks which presented prevented tottenham Centre backs from playing out to winks, and then them developing into a proper move, as we always see Tottenham do. And the second thing it did is him playing deeper than than Marshall or Rashford. With as you say, that Marshall and Rashford going wide, uh, it encouraged the Spurs defence to to push higher up. And in doing so, suddenly all this space between the defence and Loris, and United could clip balls over the top. And I mean, as they did for the goal, and expose the space in behind. It was it was a proper it was a proper plan for United clipping balls over the top, which allowed them. Uh, both to have space for Rashford and Marshall to run into and get chances, but also to escape that that Tottenham press, which is so successful against other teams. It meant we didn't we didn't dither on the ball for too long. And and I think in that first half, Sissoko going off helped United because he was protecting Trippier. And then about four minutes later, Marcus Rashford's opened the scoring. But Paul and Rashford spoke after the game about the fact that United had had worked on switching plays to the opposite flank. On the counter attack because they knew spurs were were weak there and that's how he scored it was It was a clear game plan and maturity in the first half with the fullbacks staying deeper than they had against in 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 the first five games under Solskjaer. that the whole thing was just mature and and clever in the first half the second half we'll move on to in a second basically a completely different story but first half is just very impressive
0: it's very rare that you see a goal come exactly out of a tactical switch you know normally the tactical switch will affect how you play during the game and sort of the pattern of the game but it's very very rare that the goal comes from exactly what the tactics that you've that you've implemented and all of it came to fruition you saw Lingard dropping deeper into midfield and cuts out the pass intended for Harry Winks from Trippier the ball falls to pogba who instantly is looking to play rashford in through the channel and exploiting all that space uh, where the davis had vacated because he was bombing forward on the left flank as well and then you see the the pace and the composure of Marcus rashford to to finish the counter attack off it was it was such a, a brilliant example of the way that Solskjaer had set the team up to combat spurs and i think i think one thing that really stood out to me is that it it's, it proves that you can game plan for the opposition without doing so in a negative way which is what we often complained about under Mourinho and I think often the two the two ideas kind of get put together that oh if you're thinking about the opposition you're inherently being negative in your in your tactics but I wouldn't say we were negative at all against Spurs especially not in the first half the tactics were brought up to counter to counter Spurs. Solskjaer had ident- identified that when both Trippier and Davis go forward, it leaves so much space in behind. So we were game-planning against Spurs, but we did so in a very positive way. And that was a massive, massive change from under Mourinho when in these kind of games, we do game-plan for whoever we're, we're playing, but the game-plan is just nullify them, try and shut out the game. If we get a nil-nil, great. If we can manage to scrape a one-nil win somehow, even better. You know, it, yeah, it's a very different mindset going into the game.
2: I think when Solskjaer arrived at the United, what was it, only three weeks ago, I guess now, uh, he, he straight away said, we're, we're Manchester United, we're going to play to our strengths, not the, the weaknesses of the opposition or the strengths of the opposition or whatever, which was a, a key thing under Mourinho. Now, that that felt it felt great to hear that, but at the same time, it would be a very naive approach to elite football at the moment. And I think the Spurs game showed that he can make those adjustments and he will respond to the other team and their strengths and weaknesses while putting out a team that is proactive in their approach that is positive about their own game plan rather than what we saw in the second half a bit more which was bringing Lukaku on to hold up the ball which it kind of showed that he he can be effective rather than simply the the, the thing about confidence but the second half we could have lost that game easily and quite comfortably had it not been for David De Gea and yeah to be fair, I think without the brilliance of De Gea and Hugo Lloris, it could have been 4-3 to Tottenham. Because let's not forget that Lloris made two excellent saves to deny Pogba in the second half. Within the first 10 or 15 minutes of the second half, it was that proper end-to-end period that that lasted probably until around 70 minutes. And then after that, Spurs battered our box. Now, De Gea was, was something else. Um, I, I think astonishment from most watching that kind of disbelief not all amazing saves but the concentration levels required to maintain that that perfect positioning throughout and then also to come out with two or three amazing saves is 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 immense now the second half wasn't wasn't that good and spurs if spurs had won that game i think most people said they deserved to win it now united won it and i think people say united deserved to win it it was one of those odd situations where either side could have won and they would have deserved it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it, it was a kind of a strange game in that sense. I think both teams will will be very happy with their performances at the end at the end of the game. And Pochettino even said after the game that he thinks that's the best 45 minutes that Spurs have played under his management. I wouldn't quite go that far, but they they were very very good in the second half, and we were under a lot of pressure. And yet again, we do have David De Gea to thank for for keeping us ahead in the game. But I think it was important that we did hold on hold on to that because the confidence that we're going to get from that game is massive. And just in just getting the monkey off our back of kind of going to a to a top team away from home and playing positively and getting a win is huge. In the second half, like I said, I think that I think Solskjaer could have reacted better in the second half to Spurs changing formation. Um, Spurs were just putting us under constant pressure. We needed a little bit more control in midfield, um, and I think we needed to come up with a better plan to to try and sustain attacks going forward because every time we got the ball we were trying to break quickly again but Spurs had, had kind of realised what we were doing in the first half and changed and now usually one of the full backs would sit back Lingard wasn't quite as effective at shutting down Winks we just got kind of overrun in midfield which I think was the biggest thing Ericsson and Deli Alli started to get a lot of space in in midfield yeah. and we really just needed to shut that down quicker than we did and I think for me that's the only knock I would have on Solskjaer for this I don't think he, he reacted quick enough during the game Um. But I mean, when you have a goalkeeper like David de Gea, then you can get away with those things sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what he's there for. That's why you have a, a world class goalkeeper.
0: As Solskjaer said, yeah, it's not a, it's not a crime to have a great goalkeeper.
2: Well, Solskjaer said he he should have caught a few more of them with a, I mean with a <laughs> with a very large grin on his face. To be fair, but he said it. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think the I think bringing on Diego Dallo actually helps to to shore things up a bit. I think there was yeah. a, there was probably a a 10-minute spell for Spurs where it looked like they, they were definitely going to score. They had the alley chance, all at the near post, Kane had a one-on-one with De Gea as well. And then in the last 10 minutes, it, it probably, it was still a lot of Spurs pressure, but it probably quietened down a bit in comparison to the, the 10 minutes that preceded it. And I think Solskjaer's substitution's probably helped that a bit. Now, I can see why he brought Romelu Lukaku on uh, to hold the ball up. And I can see that he kind of needs to he needs to make Lukaku feel like he is still important. I get the reasoning for that sub. Obviously, it didn't work very well because Lukaku's hold-up play wasn't great. He missed a chance to make it 2-0. As I say, both teams could have deserved the victory. But I don't think enough has been put on the fact that United could have scored 3 or 4. Lukaku had that chance. Pobba had uh, forced two really good saves out of Lloris. One with a header, one with a, a kind of half-volley. Yeah. And on, yeah.
0: Loris made a save from Martial in the first half as well. Yeah,
2: and Martial pulled it back for, for Pogba to kind of side foot from the edge of the area. A little deflection and, and Loris managed to save as well. But So I think, I think both teams could have scored a lot more goals. Uh, but uh, you've got to focus on the positives. I mean, Pogba, superb, intelligent, patient, opened Spurs up again and again, whether it was with the, the long diagonal ball as for the goal. Or when shielding possession to open space up slightly before spreading it wide, usually to the to the right wing where Herrera or Young would be for cross. And then running into the box himself. He said after the game, Solskjaer has told him to get into the box and score more goals. And Rashford as well was a clear improvement, is in the form of his life and is, is brilliant to watch at the moment.
0: Oh yeah, Rash, Rashford is just a different player right, right now under Solskjaer. The confidence that he has going forward is brilliant and He's managing to add the composure to his game as well. I've been quite crit- critical of Rashford in the past because I see so much talent there and it just didn't feel like he was improving very much and especially in terms of his decision-making and his quality in the, in the end product. When the last few weeks, he has added that to his game massively and the finish for his, for his goal, that is not an easy finish. It doesn't look that hard, but that is not an easy angle to score from against one of the best keepers in the league and he buried that right into the corner. It was a brilliant finish. Well, he's running at full pace as well. Um, to get away from, I think it was out of the fire, chasing him. Yeah. It, it was a brilliant finish, and it just goes, is another example of the way that he's well, improved think- under Solskjaer. Pogba, as well, like you said, great performance. And it, it's, it, I think for me, was a great example of the way that Solskjaer has kind of set him free to, to use the, the old cliche about unlocking Pogba. I think playing him in that three man midfield with Herrera and Matic, and, you know, not saying that he has no defensive responsibilities, but say, but giving him a lot more freedom and more license to kind of play the way that he wants. We've all seen that when Pogba does that, he's almost unplayable at times. And even Pogba's arch nemesis, Graham Sumner, said after the game that you know, if Pogba's playing at, 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 at his best, there's no midfielder in yeah. the world that wants to play against him because he is a scary prospect to play against. His quality on the ball is incredible. And physically, he's so hard to match up against because, sure, you can put someone in there who's as big and as strong as Pogba, but they're not going to be as good as good technically. They're probably not going to be as quick as Pogba is either. And he's just such a difficult player to play against. And when, when he's playing in top form like he is at the moment, he is one of the best players in the Premier League, without a doubt.
2: Yeah, no no doubt about that. And
0: there are not many many players that can play the pass that he made for the goal. When the ball was under his feet, under pressure, and he puts it on on the spot for Rashford. I mean, it was a brilliant pass. Yeah,
2: and we've we've always said the the variety of his technical qualities is amazing. That the kind of with, it's a classic phrase of this podcast. The skill set he has is so unique compared to other other midfielders in the Premier League and around the world. But going back to to Rashford is, is I think I think every United fan can be forgiven for when Paul Pogba played that pass, when Rashford took it down, when he went to shoot. Thinking he's not going to score this because that is exactly the kind of chance that Marcus Rashford hasn't scored in the past few years. This is what his must be his second, th- third full season, uh fourth season in total for United, I think, because he he broke through in 2015. It's now 2019, but so many times we've seen him get that chance and failed to score it. Now he scored some really important goals. He scored in the in the Manchester derby, he scored against Chelsea, Liverpool. Uh, he scored that brace against Liverpool last season in a in a three one home win, but. To be an elite striker, as it looks like Rashford now could develop into, he's got to take that one chance in the big game. And what did he do at Wembley? Is is take that one chance in the big game? And as you say, a very difficult chance. The low shot across the face of the goal with the the right instep of the of the foot is it's amazing to get that kind of accuracy and it had to be the the spot that he hit it into it had to be that spot because either any further to the right Loris would have saved it any further to the left it would have hit the post and gone out so Rashford is just is something else to watch at the moment and I think the more he scores goals where at the moment we're expecting him not to his confidence will grow as it is and the more that his teammates' confidence in him will grow to finish those chances. The more fear defenders will have coming up against Marcus Rashford, thinking if he gets his chance, he will score. And Solsha has been talking about how he can, he can uh, reach reach the same level or surpass the level of Harry Kane. And I think it's too early to say that. But Rashford is twenty one and playing. At this kind of level, it's amazing to think what he could continue to develop into.
0: Yeah, I, I mean the Harry Kane comparison is put, obviously putting a lot of pressure on Rashford, and I'm not sure Rashford will ever be the the kind of player that will score quite as many goals as as Kane does. But his his all round game has just improved so much in the last few weeks, and when you see this kind of improvement from him, you know it's hard not to wonder where he can go, and it's easy to forget how young Rashford still is. Because it feels like he's been around for for ages, and I mean, he has. It's been what three and a half years almost since he came into the came into the side. He's made, I think, over a hundred appearances for United. Now he's got thirty odd England caps. You know, they're they're the the stats of an experienced player, and yet he's only twenty one, and it's incredible to me that at twenty one, he he feels like a seasoned player and yet he's still got so much growth left in him he's still probably got another 3, 4, 5 years until he actually reaches reaches his peak His peak, and that's so exciting as a United fan to see his improvement and to see the fact that he can still improve so much because I think a, a, a few fans were were worrying that you know not that he was a flash in the pan because he's always been a good player but just that maybe he'd, been, he'd peaked very early and we we weren't going to see this sort of next level to his game and he's, he has added so much on the Solskjaer both he and Solskjaer deserve a lot of credit for that. Obviously, Solskjaer for sticking with him up front over Lukaku, which I think is, is 100% the right call. And Rashford fits a lot better with the style of play that Solskjaer is trying to implement. But also Rashford himself, because he is clearly putting in the work to make the most of Solskjaer's, of Solskjaer's help and guidance that he's given him. And it's it's just working really well right now. It's, it seems like they have a great relationship. And the two of them together are just working wonders.
2: Yeah, what well, I loved for the, for the goal was... Rashford starts his run from, from his own half within half a second of, of Jesse Lingard intercepting yeah. Trippy's pass. He's alert. It's
0: before the ball even gets to Pogba's feet. Yeah. It's
2: as soon as Lingard intercepts, he's gone. He's alert at that moment. And then then the run is excellent and the finish is perfect. And as for Pogba, well, this is him at his best with, with players making those runs and the space being behind the defence. And Solskjaer's tactics managed to get the best out of Rashford and Pogba. And finally, we have a Manchester United team that are the sum of their parts. The defence is vulnerable. We expect that. The attack is is blisteringly good at times. And that is what that's that's all you kind of want. You don't we don't necessarily need to be better than the sum of our parts because our defence is clearly not good enough. We know that. We know our centre backs probably aren't good enough. We know our full backs aren't good enough defensively. But to have to be able to now see that the attack is as good as it can be, or at least at a very good level, is is very nice to see. And uh I what what I also liked was the fact that in, in Solskjaer's post match press conference he he name drops every single Manchester United player who started. All eleven were, were praised at some point and this is a manager who is inspiring huge confidence in his side. You can see it on the pitch and he he wasn't asked about all these players individually, he was asked about De Gea, Pogba, Rashford, and yet when complimenting David De Gea as the best goalkeeper in the world, he also managed to say playing behind a great defence where Jones, Lindelof, Shaw, and Young played really well. He wasn't, he wasn't prompted to say that. He just constantly comes out with these things that are creating the best mood at, at United since that. May Day against Swansea when we lifted Alex Ferguson's final Premier League title.
0: Yeah, I loved Solskjaer's press conference, the way he, he name dropped every single player in the starting eleven because it was a team effort. I, like I said at the start, it's pretty rare that no that no one in the starting eleven has a particularly bad game. I don't think anyone did. There was no one that I look at in the side and went, Oh, they had they had a bad day. You know, not everyone had their best game, but no one was was really let, letting the team down. I think it was a great all-round performance and it was it was telling that Solskjaer was so quick to praise every single person that started the game. He, it I think it was just goes to show again the fact that he is really just focusing as, as well as the tactical side of it of course but on man management uh, because it's such an important part of of being manager of a club like United with you know top players who do have egos. You're never gonna get away from the fact that all these players do have egos and sometimes they need an arm around their shoulder. They need someone to come in and sort of be by their side. And Solskjaer has spoken a lot about the influence that Sir Alex Ferguson had on him in terms of how how you man manage people properly. You know, Ferguson had to deal with the likes of Cantonar, Ronaldo, Beckham, Rooney at different stages of his United career. And Solskjaer seems to have learned a lot from, from Ferguson and how to try and deal with some of those egos. And we're seeing it on the pitch because we're working so much more as a team. Yeah. And the manager is now reflecting that too because instead of press conferences where he's talking about how many Premier League titles he's won and throwing players under the bus, instead now we get every single person starting 11 being name dropped after the game. And the difference is massive.
2: Yeah, I think, I think all of Solskjaer's success for, so far has been about these kind of small tweaks. I think obviously that the tactics have helped and the the freeing up of the players has helped, but it's not like it's been some kind of revolutionary change. It has been, it's certainly based on a a Ferguson style culture, but lots of small little tweaks like talking to individuals after training. Now, an interesting piece from James Ducker in, in, in the middle of the week was saying that Solskjaer is not the one who's kind of running training on a, on a team basis it's Phelan, Carrick, McKenna more so than ever before but Solskjaer stays out there after training he sees Rashford practising his free kicks and his finishing and then works with him on that he sees Pogba practising whatever Pogba's doing because he can do anything um, and, and speaks to him about being more like front lampard getting into the box more and trying to score more goals he speaks to Luke Shaw about his stuff whatever, it's, he, he's really focused on individual improvement rather than simply the whole team having confidence and getting better and and I also think a lot of, a lot of credit has to go to, to Phelan, McKenna and Carrick who are helping as well as Mark Dempsey who Solskjaer brought back in. He was a United player in the 80s and, and a local Manchester boy who's, who was also a youth team coach and Solskjaer's brought him back in. It's a, it's a real team effort and you saw at Wembley, it wasn't Solskjaer coming out on the touchline. He came out sometimes, it was Phelan, Carrick, McKenna always coming out and, and, and shouting these things. It's, it really is a, a group effort from the, from the coaching staff which is, which is good to see. And hopefully a similar structure is maintained whether Solsha stays or Pochettino or whoever comes in. Um, and and United weren't perfect at, against Spurs, but they, they got the win mainly thanks to De Gea in the end. And I think with the mood around the club, if he gets top four as well, I think the fans will want him over Pochettino. And I think if Pochettino comes in after Solskjaer gets top four, even though I think that would probably be quite a sensible decision and a, a less risky decision it will be a big mood drop if Solskjaer leaves, if, if he manages to get top four and leaves.
0: Yeah, it would. I think if, if Solskjaer gets top four, I think the board are going to have a very, very difficult decision at the end of the season because I think there'll be a lot of pressure from fans to keep Solskjaer. Regardless of, of his managerial experience, obviously being far less than Pochettino, he is such a legend of the club and the way that he interacts with fans, the way that he, he understands the fabric of the club is such a big deal. And we can already see it from fans clamouring that for Solskjaer to stay even after six games. And if we do actually keep up this form and we get top four, playing good football the whole way, especially if we, if we go on a decent run in either the FA Cup or the Champions League as well, the board are going to have a very, very tough time deciding to go another way. Now, like you said, I think it would be a far less risky option to go with someone like Pochettino or whoever it might be bringing in, you know, an already very established coach. And honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that it would be the wrong decision to do that. But I think it would be very, very tough for the board to go to go away from Solskjaer after bringing back the feel-good feeling to the club. And if the results accompany that as well, fans are going to want Solskjaer to stay. And quite rightly so.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of the thing at the moment is that the players want Solskjaer to stay as well. Now, yeah. Alan Hitchings says... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the obvious choice for permanent manager now, surely. When would you appointment? Alan asked on Twitter. I don't think he's the obvious choice for permanent manager. I don't think it's a question of when he's appointed rather than if. I think there's no reason to judge Solskjaer until the end of the season. And that is the joy of the decision to make him caretaker manager. That's why it was a very good decision. We said as soon as Mourinho was sacked, this is the most sensible thing United have done for years. It makes sense. It takes the pressure off Solskjaer. Now, As we say, if if he does get top four, it's going to be really hard for the boards, but they have to think, they cannot think about Solskjaer scoring the treble winning goal. They cannot think about the time Solskjaer was here as a player. They cannot think about simply his affinity with the fans because the fans are the most important thing at the football club. But ultimately, if Solskjaer stays and ends up not winning the Premier League in three years, we're going to be happier because we've got Solskjaer, we respect him, we love him. But we still wouldn't have won the Premier League title if they think Mauricio Pochettino can do a better job than Solskja regardless of, of whether the fans love Solskja more they have to take that decision so it, it's not uh, Solskjaer is not the obvious choice and it's not a matter of, of when rather than if it remains a matter of, of if Solskjaer is going to become permanent manager and I think it would be quite sensible to bring Pochettino in but we're not going to have this conversation again probably until the end of the season because it's pointless we know that no manager will be appointed until the end of the season Um for now, we're just enjoying it because under Solskjaer, having taken charge on December the 19th, Manchester United have got 50% of their Premier League clean sheets this season under Solskjaer, 42% of their Premier League wins and 34% of their Premier League goals, which shows just how ridiculous the improvement has been. Six wins in a row. its It just, it just is amazing. We'll move on to our youth roundup in a second.
0: Yeah, the only I mean, I totally agree with everything you just said. The only thing I would add is six games is just far, far too early to be judging anyone, let alone... Solsha who has had very little managerial experience other than this you know go back to the start of uh, the start of last season and we won 6 we won I think 5 or 6 games in a row to start the season then and everything looked great and then it all kind of went to pot and you know the same could happen with Solsha we don't know yeah um so it's definitely not a question of when we appoint Solsha it's still a big if and you know there's just no point trying to judge at this stage we should just be enjoying the football that we're seeing and we can worry about who's going to take charge when we get closer to the end of the season because for now, it's just not its not even a question at the moment. You know, there's still so much football left to play um, and we should just be enjoying watching United play some good football.
2: Yeah, and I think the the most positive thing that we we can take from this rather than judging the managerial situation is Pogba is playing amazing passes, doing amazing things with his feet. Martial has is, is got the confidence, he's running at players, creating chances. Marcus Rashford is doing things we have never seen him do before. Uh, Matic is playing these lovely through balls over the top. Ander Herrera is looking like Under Herrera again. All these players are looking like themselves again. So we know that we do have a decent squad. It needs a lot of improvement, in particularly in defence and in midfield too. But we have the potential to do something good, whomever the manager is. Now, United's under-23s were beaten 3-1 by Fulham this week, despite a wonderful free kick from Tahith Chong, who had been in Dubai with the first team at the training camp. Also from the academy at that camp were Angel Gomez, Mason Greenwood and James Garner. They actually played together in a, uh, a three-team competition, which uh, Solskjaer organised at the training camp, which saw all the academy graduates, so Rashford, Lingard, McTominay and Pereira, as well as Greenwood, Gomez, Chong and Garner, um, as well as uh, Dallow and De Gea. They all joined together to face two other sides and they won. Um it's uh, It means nothing, but it's just nice that the that, that the emphasis on the academy in that training camp. Now, it's back-to-back defeats for the under-23s in 2019, though, which is disappointing. Although Dylan Levitt played again for them, he's only recently stepped up from the under-18s. It was his second appearance and he looked good breaking the lines with, with great vision and passing, kind of helped by the movement of Tahith Chong. At under-19 level, United didn't play a domestic game because they went out at the quarter-finals of the Sparkass and VGH Cup, a five-a-side under-19 tournament which we've won for the last two years. It's held in Germany. Uh, the Reds topped their group but couldn't make it a treble of victories in successive years in Germany. Alex Fogitek was named goalkeeper of the tournament in a mainly under-17 squad in an under-19 tournament. A great experience despite getting knocked out before winning it. In loan news, midfielder Ethan Hamilton has signed for Rochdale on loan and scored a screamer on his debut in the 90th minute to instantly endear himself to the League One supporters. Goalkeeper Joel Pereira could be heading to Reading after his loan at Portuguese side Vitoria Setúbal was cut short. And Regan Paul has also been linked with Rochdale where Hamilton is but could return on loan to his former side Newport County. United's women's team were leading 1-0 this weekend against Charlton away from home when the game was called off after 10 minutes. Charlton's Charlotte Kerr suffered a serious injury and required oxygen during treatment. She was attended to, but the use of oxygen meant there was none left and it's a legal requirement to have oxygen ready in the stadium. So none was left and the game was abandoned. The oxygen used was provided by United, uh, despite being the away team and quite why none was in the stadium is baffling um, and kind of just shows uh, the the dearth of investment in women's football that it requires to to even be at the professional level which it kind of deserves at the moment given the quality of some of the football on show now Jack Brighton Saturday at 3pm uh, a very peculiar time for a Manchester United game um, we haven't sometimes January is a really busy month there has been not that much this month because we're not in the League Cup semi-finals. Gives us some nice long breaks between games. So we got Brighton, and then the week later on the Friday is Arsenal in the Cup on the 25th. But for now, Brighton on Saturday 3pm. Prediction:
0: um, You would you would hope it'll be a relatively comfortable game. Although Brighton have given us a lot of trouble since they've been promoted to the Premier League. Uh, have we be- have we beaten Brighton yet? I don't think we have. Have we? Did we beat them at home last season? I can't I can't remember.
2: Um, I can't remember we, I mean we lost away from home we definitely of lost away both, both and the away years. at the start of this season yeah Yeah. am not sure um, about at home I would hope they have beaten them once I can't want.
0: can't remember that game but um, you know it's obviously a very different United side now Brighton's away form is not very good uh, under Hughton. they're sort of a they make, make the Amex their fortress but on the road they're not not the best side so I would hope for a relatively comfortable victory I'll for my prediction i think i'll go 3-1
2: okay uh well we have we have in fact beaten them twice uh we beat them in the fa cup last year in the quarter final which we'd both forgotten about because it was quite forgettable Lukaku and matic scored um and yeah. we beat them in the league early last season in in november last season uh with an own goal another quite ah. forgettable game so, oh,
0: classic. That's, there's reasons we, we forget yeah, these matches. We tend to
2: remember most matches and can record them quite easily. But yeah, they're, they're, those two are very forgettable. And the time before we played them was again in the FA Cup, but back in 1993. So that's of no relevance to us uh, right now. Yeah, um, I, think, I think we should be fairly positive about this at home. Uh, the, the problem is, 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 the more we win, the more and more the pressure builds to continue this run of wins. Now, we've got six. Yeah in a row. Brighton would be 7 and then we play Arsenal. So it is it's all right for now, but when it comes crashing down and we do lose a game which we will or draw a game which we will, then it it's it can be hard to pick the players up. So hopefully uh we can continue against Brighton um and then
0: Well and, and this 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 game is a classic slip-up game as yeah. well, coming off the back of a big win against the top team. You know, then sort well, of. it is, with, it is for this them. United side, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and especially with a game against a top team coming up the following week as well against Arsenal in the FA Cup. This is the classic game that you kind of take your eye off and take for granted that you are going to get something yeah, out of it. Yeah, definitely.
2: I am um, going to go for a two-one United win. Not that comfortable, but I, th- I think we'll we'll be fine it's score two nice goals. I go for a goal from Paul Burner, a goal from Rashford to continue both of their amazing form. Uh, they they are just a joy to watch them. There was a mo- I was watching. Um, at Wembley on on Sunday, and I kind of just thought hey, we've got our team back.
0: Yep, I and mean, that's such, such a great way to put it.
2: It's just it, it's like the Arsenal game. For I mean, Brighton, looking forward to that game to watching it. I'm kind of it's not on TV, and you're like, oh no, uh, it, it's gutting. Whereas before it was, we're not on TV. Oh great, it gives me an excuse not to watch it. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the Brighton game, but the Arsenal game, I'm properly looking forward to that to seeing what we can do in that game. Yeah. We haven't felt that way about a big game for for a long, long time. I-
0: I know. I noticed this while I was watching the game yesterday. Like, I I've got my emotion back when I watch United. Before it was, it was never a chore to watch United. It we'll would never get to that point. And you know, you never you never lose the passion that you have for the club, but you do. I think you feel a lot less emotionally invested at certain times. And I felt that in the last few months under Mourinho, it was almost numb to all the bad defeats and yeah. all the terrible terrible performances. And I don't think I've celebrated a United goal like I did Rashford's goal against Spurs in a long, long time. Because I, I everything is, I'm so much more emotionally invested in the in the club now and, and that's been brought back from Solskjaer. And like you said, I can't wait for the Arsenal game as well and that's I haven't felt that way in such a long time.
2: I think the big difference when when we were put under big pressure from Spurs in the last half an hour of the game, I felt properly tense and desperate to to not concede and celebrating every day yeah. saving stuff whereas before it would be like yeah we're going to lose Spurs will, Spurs will win 2-1 and I still thought that I was kind of mentally preparing myself to lose but it was because I was so emotionally invested in it as you say whereas before it was kind of just that acceptance so we, we would lose we would mess it up we would fail we would be boring It's all changed now. And now there's a lot of work to go. We all know that in the summer there's going to have to be changes. We need a director of football. We need good transfers. We need the right decision about the manager. We need to keep our best players. But... For now we can just enjoy it. Um thank you for listening to uh, series four episodes twenty-two of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, as always. Um if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to those who have done in various places. I think America, Australia, Ireland, I think is the three places we've most recently had. So thank you to those people. Um for more from us throughout the week, you can find me on Twitter at, at Ty Robinson64. You can find Jack on Twitter at,
0: at UTD T A I T.
2: And you can find the podcast on Twitter at, at UTD Pod. That's P O D at the end there. Thanks as always for listening. I hope you enjoyed the game and uh, I think like us, you're probably looking forward to watching United again, which is good. Have a great week. Goodbye.